Hello, welcome to podcast number 95, I believe, of the Blind Boy Podcast. I'm happy to say that this week, um, I get to open with a piece of prose that was submitted by Hollywood actor Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender has sent in a, a short piece of, he called it a poem, I, I personally think it's more of a piece of prose or even an, a short essay. So before we begin, I'm going to read out Michael Fassbender's uh, piece of prose, which which doesn't have a title. <clears throat> Elon Musk flew me to Jupiter in his rocket. No one has seen this rocket yet. Only me and Elon have. We landed on a sea of gas with an atmospheric pressure thousands of times greater than that on Earth. The sun was much larger than it was back home. Elon informed me that the temperature was 24,000 degrees Celsius, but that the reason neither of us were burned to a crisp or crushed by the atmosphere was because our friendship was so strong. He took out a needle and I let him pierce my ear. We both wore studded earrings. After six months of wearing a studded earring, you were allowed to put in a gold sleeper earring. But on Jupiter... Six months is six years back home. But we didn't mind waiting. We were both wearing jarts. As electrical storms, unlike anything you have ever seen, loomed above. Elon remarked that these storms were like Dante's vision of hell. I said I didn't know what that meant. So we started talking about snooker. And we wondered whether you could play snooker on Jupiter. With such extreme atmospheric pressure, Elon reckoned he could figure out a way to do it, and I believed him. Jarts are like shorts, but they are made out of denim, so it means jean shorts, but we just say jarts, which is a portamento of both words, because we don't have time to say jean shorts, because we are too busy having fun on Jupiter, so we just say jarts instead. Thank you very much, Michael Fassbender. Uh, that was fantastic. That really, that was quite touching and moving. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for sending that in. A uh, few people have been remarking the last two or three podcasts about the sound of my fire fire alarm in the background. I. I, you're going to hear a beeping noise. I think it's every 15 seconds or something. Um, and it's been present in the podcast for the last three or four weeks. It's... I, I look... There it was, there. I'm not fully sure what the crack is. Um, first off, as you know, I'm up the fucking walls. So I, I think what it is, is... I think the house alarm is connected to the mains of the house, right? And the battery is going or is gone in the house alarm which means I have to go up and change the battery but the thing is if if it's beeping that means it's also connected to the mains of the house so I'm now cautious about going up and changing the battery on the fucking fire alarm because I'm like am I do I have to turn the electricity off in the gaff and I went online to check out and, and apparently I do have to turn off the electricity in the gaff 
to change this fucking battery in the house alarm. And I I just, I don't know nothing about fuse boxes. It's a job I could do. It's a job I could do. But I just, I don't have the, like, the hour or whatever it would take to Google how to do it. And then successfully change the battery and not get fucking electrocuted. Coupled with the fact, to be honest as well, um, I've got tinnitus. So my, my entire existence, my life is one non-stop, forever, continual beep uh, in my ears that's been there for for five years now at this point. Continual beep, continual one-stop, continual hissing um, high-pitched sound in my ear. So I don't really take any notice of the fire alarm. Apologies to anyone who's sensitive to it. Um, I, I don't know. Let, let's imagine it as some type of mechanical bird. Imagine imagine. I've just, in, instead of having like a canary, a real life canary that I've quite cruelly kept in a cage. Instead, I have this magnificent canary made out of wires who doesn't have to suffer, and gives out an intermittent beep every 15 seconds. There he goes. So that's just... Until I'm... I'm until I have enough time to sort out this fucking fire alarm, I think we're going to have to put up with it. There's nothing I can do. Like, it's it's in another room, but the thing is that the nature of high-pitched sounds, when the way sound travels, if a sound is incredibly high-pitched, there's nothing you can fucking do. That will... High-pitched sounds travel... In the way that low pitch sounds don't. That's why. I don't know. If you went to see a live band. And everything is fucking. Guitars plugged in. Drums. The whole lot. And it's really loud. The one instrument you'll get away with not. Plugging in is a tambourine. Notice that the next time you go to a gig. Because it operates on a frequency that can cut through all others. So. We're going to have a little bit of uh, intermittent beeping. And it's grand. We'll deal with it. Alright. Mechanical chirping bird. I don't have time to sort it out. It's too small a job to merit calling out an electrician. And I've got plenty of buddies who are electricians. But it's like... You don't ring up your friend who's an electrician and ask him a question to do with their profession. You just don't. Because it's like... It's like... It's like... If you've got a buddy who's a fucking doctor, you're not going to ring him up and say... Can I send you a photograph of the inside of my throat? Can you tell me can you tell me if I've got an infected throat? Can I send you a photograph of the inside of my throat? You're not going to do that to someone who's a doctor. So I'm not ringing up one of my buddies who's an electrician and going, how do I sort out this alarm? Because it's too small a job to call you out and give you the 70 quid. So I've I have bigger fish to fry as well, lads. I've I've much bigger things on my plate than um an intermittent rhythmic beeping of a fire alarm. So there you go. Um, for anyone wondering about my two solitary bees, the solitary leaf cutter bees that I have living in a in a bee hotel out my back garden, doing fantastically, doing brilliantly. I saw the the cutest thing in the world last week. So the bee hotel, if you can imagine the top of it. Where the attic would be, we'll say. There's just loads of um, sticks of bamboo. So, it, there's, you know, small little bamboo sticks. Um, circumference of a penny, we'll say. And these little holes, kind of like a honeycomb. There's loads of little holes beside each other. 
um, that's what, where the solitary bees are interested in going in and out of. And I go there, if I look at it at like after sunset, I can look into one of the holes and you see the little bee inside sleeping. She sleeps inside there. And I'd take a little squint in, no movement, fast asleep. But what's so fucking cute is right beside, we'll say, the chamber where she sleeps, that bamboo, exactly next door is the one that's all stuffed up with the leaves that she's cut. But that's where her babies are. So this little bee sleeps right next door to her babies. Which I think is just so class. Do you know? Like, it's it's like, it's a bee hotel. So e- each one of these little fucking bamboos is the room in a hotel. And technically there's about 40 rooms. And her, her and her children are on the third floor. They're in room 301 and she's in room 302. She could be up, she could be up at the penthouse if she wanted to. You know, up on number seven, but she's not. She's sleeping next door to her little larvae, which I find amazing. I just find it amazing because you, you, I'm not trying to project feelings on top of the bee. I don't know what the crack is, but I just find that uh, kind of endearing and it gave me a little flutter in my heart. It did. It made me, when I saw it, I was, it, ma- it made me more committed to uh, protecting them and minding them and making sure that those little bees get born. Um, okay, quick, quick update. Okay, second fucking update. Right, how do I explain this? Did you just hear a, a popping noise just there? Okay, let me, let me explain what just happened there, a bit of podcast drama. So when I said there, quick update, what I'd done is I had paused the podcast and said to myself, do you know what, fuck it, I should not have the beeping sound of a smoke alarm interfering with the podcast, because a couple of people said it was annoying them, and then the fact that I was trying to rationalise it as this beeping bird, I was going, do you know what, it's actually annoying me. And I'm kind of pissed off at myself that I'm too busy to deal with it. So what happened was, I stopped the podcast and turned off everything at the mains in the house to deal with the fucking smoke alarm. I I looked up online very quickly, look, what do I do? The smoke alarm was in this weird place at the top of the fucking stairs, which meant me going on a little ladder. And I would have had to reach over. It's in a queer place, basically. It's at the top of the fucking stairs. Whoever put it there is an idiot. It's at a queer place. So I got up on a little step ladder, pitch fucking dark, because I turned off literally everything in the house. Because I don't, I don't know nothing about fuse boxes. So I turned off everything, and I was using the torch on my phone, because I'm recording this late. So I climbed on the step ladder to reach up towards the smoke alarm, and basically. It was a bit of a stretch. And right underneath me at my knees is the fucking stairs. Now, I'm alone in the gaff. It's just me. So I'm going, holy fuck. So I have to reach up to this smoke alarm in the dark. My, my phone's on the ground with the light pointing up. So I have to reach up to this smoke alarm in the dark. Reach across over a stairs with like a 12-foot drop. And try and insert a screwdriver in there. 
and I'm not handy, I'm not fucking DIY handy, and insert a screwdriver. Because that's what it said on the side of it, it said insert a screwdriver and gently pull the thing. But whatever fucking agent has installed the smoke alarm, like I said, it requires me to stand on a stepladder, reach across, and legitimately put myself at risk of falling 12 feet or down the stairs while I'm in the gaff on my own. So I said, no fucking way, not happening. So I went to plan fucking B. I got a hold of a Harley and I said, fuck it, the power's off, I need to sort out this fire alarm situation or the smoke alarm, I'm not having it beeping. Whatever damage I do, I'll just, I'll pay for it, it'll be grand. So I had the light on the ground and I took a clean swing at the smoke alarm, a good heavy, heavy fucking uh, swing. And I knocked the smoke alarm out off its fixture. And it was clean. It's fine. So the bit that's supposed to be stuck to the ceiling is still there. But the bottom part that was making the noise with the battery is gone. So I'm at I'm there at the top of the stairs. Swing the Harley. Knock it off. The bottom part which includes the battery goes flying down the stairs. Okay. So once that gets to the bottom of the stairs I'm like great problem solved. I go and I turn the lights back on. And the piece that's left on the ground is still making that fucking beeping noise. Even though the battery, the 9 volt battery, has broken free of it. So there's obviously another battery in there, like those really tiny ones you put into a watch. And that's still making the beeping sound. So I got that bit. And now that's upstairs under a series of jackets. Still beeping, but not so much that you hear it. But, here's the mad dramatic part. I'm going to replay this bit for you. When I said, quick update, I'm going to replay this right now. And I want you to listen for the sound. So here we go. You heard this earlier. Um, okay, quick, quick update. Did you fucking hear that banging sound? So that was a replay. Here it is once again. Wait. So that noise, that cracking noise happened... About five minutes after I'd taken the smoke alarm down, I turned all the power back on, I'd gone back into the studio, I'd turned the computer back on, I'd set up all the equipment again, and was ready to record the podcast to say to you, I've just removed the smoke alarm, I'm here on my own, in the gaff, and then I hear that fucking bang, out in the hallway, so I immediately at that moment press fucking stop on the record button, because I'm like, okay, there's now someone in the gaff. What the fuck is that? The two cats aren't allowed in. So I go out into the fucking hallway. Ye heard that. And I heard it as well. So I go out into the fucking hallway going, what the fuck is this? I go upstairs to find the Harley in case it's a robber. So now I'm walking around the gaff trying to see, is there a person here? Because I'm the only fucking person here. And I couldn't figure out what the fuck was that noise? So then I looked down onto the ground and the 9 volt, so basically when I had lashed the uh, smoke alarm off the ground, the 9 volt battery was on the ground outside the studio door and it exploded. So that's what that sound was, that, that was the sound of an exploding fucking battery which scared the living shit out of me because I'm here on my own. So... What a dramatic, what a bizarre and dramatic start to this week's fucking podcast. 
Th- this is up there with uh, the time the Tomcat in- interrupted. What, what are the odds? What, what are the odds of me, me saying, there's the sound of a smoke alarm, we're going to have to deal with it, then saying, no, fuck it, we shouldn't have to deal with it. Then turning the lights off, baiting it with a Harley, and the battery fucking exploding. Well, that's what happened. I'm shook. I'm shook after that. It's a bit gas as well, though. It is kind of funny. Um, do you know what? Yeah, no, I'm glad. I am glad to have... Yeah, I don't know. I, like... I don't know how I'd feel about recording the podcast. Having definitely not only heard the sound. A clear sound of a violent bang outside the door. And then also having recorded evidence of it. Imagine I wasn't able to look on the ground and notice. Oh, the battery has exploded. Um, the top of it came off, basically. Whatever went on. Um, so imagine me not having found what the fuck that noise was. I don't think I'd have come back into this fucking studio and just said, Asher, noises like that just happen when you're in the gaff on your own. I wouldn't like because I, I I can and I wouldn't be able to say to myself maybe I imagined the bang or it was outside because I can listen back to when it was recorded and I'd go I know by the acoustics of that bang that it most definitely happened in the hallway outside so I'm so glad that I could see that that was a fucking battery that did that because I'd be shitting it I'd be shitting it I don't have a lock for the fucking studio door, like, you know. I'd have to go on a ghost ramble. Because I, I looked at all, all the windows, all the doors, so I'm like, this is locked as fuck, so there's no way there's, there's a person or an animal in the gaff. So, I think the anxiety part of myself, I'd, I'd have to start entertaining poltergeists. Where would my head have gone? Yeah. Yeah, I'd have probably gone irrational like that because the house, a person lived here before who died and from what I know, the person in the gaff was like a builder and they built a lot of stuff in the house and they did a lot of really stupid things in the gaff. They did like, um, tried to renovate the attic and... There's a lot of stuff in the house that's done really badly. A, a couple a bit, a bit of wiring that's done bad. Uh, fixtures that are done bad. Tiles that are done really shit. Because the person who lived here like 10 years ago was a tradesman. And I think they specialised in like one thing. And I found this out from, from the, like the neighbours. They specialised in one thing, but they used to have a go at everything. So that's why the tiles are shit or the odd fixture is shit. And I'm guessing it's why... The smoke alarm is in such a really, really bad place whereby in order to change it like a normal human being, you have to risk falling to your death. So if I didn't find that battery and knowing my propensity towards anxious, irrational thoughts, I would probably be entertaining the idea that me knocking that fucking, aggressively knocking that smoke alarm with the Harley I would say to myself, that smoke alarm was put there in that awkward place by the man who used to live here 10 years ago who died and me taking a Harley to it has somehow 
awakened his spirit and now I've got a fucking poltergeist on my hand because there would be no other rational way for me to, to explain why we all definitely heard a loud bang outside the door so thank fuck I found that little battery and saw that there's a part of me now that wants to double check no 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 no, no I'm not going there I'm not going to be irrational I saw the battery on the ground and there was evidence of a little wet patch where whatever acid or something had come out of it and I could see that it would was visibly kind of distressed and burnt and then I took the battery and I fucked it out into the garden because I'm like you're not going to explode anymore but where else am I going to go I, I, yeah I'd, I'd have to be an irrational worried man now because I don't like I've said before I will never allow a Wednesday go by where there's no podcast like I'm just not doing it like e- e- even if I got do you know that really bad food poisoning where you can't move where it's almost a spiritual experience even if I got that I'd ma- I'd, I'd do something I'd put out a live podcast I- I'd maybe talk through how terrible my illness was so I don't think I'd cower in the studio terrified of a poltergeist I'd have to talk you through it and I'd have some very worried DMs in the morning going, Blind boy, I usually like the podcast, but the one you put out this morning where you were cowering with a Harley trying to convince us that your gaff was being haunted by a builder who lived there 10 years ago, I'm afraid I found that very irrational and I just want to know how you're getting on. That'd be my day tomorrow if I didn't find that fucking battery. So that's the best thing that has happened this evening is I'm not entertaining that degree of fucking irrationality because where else would I go I'd have to go there I would just simply have to there was no other explanation as to why we heard that I I didn't think those fucking batteries could uh, explode at all they're the the square batteries 9 volt batteries you know the square ones now I know they're fucking like the only batteries that I worry about exploding are batteries in vapes occasionally people who have vapes if they get a dodgy vape the battery can explode in their fucking pocket and a lot of people have gotten like third degree burns from vapes exploding in their pocket now this battery when it exploded it there wasn't a smell or anything so it was just kind of like a pop that he heard it so it wasn't flames or fire or anything but there was a bit of a a burny looking thing so there was obviously some type of spark but um Jeez, wouldn't that be ironic? Wouldn't it be ironic if I knock the smoke alarm off so therefore it doesn't work anymore and then if that battery had exploded later and caused a fire, wouldn't that be so ironic? But luckily that didn't happen. It's out in the garden now, so no worries. But like, I know loads of people. So yeah, those 9 volt batteries, like I think something like 80 people a year around the world die from licking those batteries. Because do you know the way sometimes when you're a kid? Now don't try this at home because literally look it up. Like 80 people die a year. They're the batteries that when you're a kid you lick the top of it or you get your friend to lick it because it it's, gives you a little tingly shock and it's horrible but people do it. Don't lick those batteries. Um yep 80 people a year actually die from those 
I'm still fucking weirded out and shook by that. Do you know what? For the fucking crack. Um, just because this podcast has now been completely derailed into a conversation about a battery and a, and a builder's poltergeist. I'm going to pause and that banging, the popping sound that we recorded, the popping of that 9 volt battery, I'm going to sample that sound, right? Play it on my keyboard and I'm going to make a quick song about the poltergeist using the popping sound as an instrument. And I'll do it in the style of Christy Moore because Christy Moore I know for a fact listens to this podcast because I did a Vicar Street gig and Christy actually showed up and he came backstage and we had a chat and he was the soundest man going and I think I might have said it before what I found particularly endearing is like Christy Moore doesn't have to pay for gigs he's Christy Moore Christy Moore can go to any fucking gig in Ireland and they'll be like it's Christy Moore come into the gig so when Christy came to my gig and he was backstage, he made a point of showing, sticking the two tickets for my gig out of his top pocket to make a point of showing me that he'd actually paid for tickets and didn't, didn't get in as a freebie, which I wouldn't have mind. I'd be like, Christy, come to my gig for free. For fuck's sake, you're more than welcome. But I found that very endearing that he had the two fucking tickets sticking out of the pocket to let me know that he paid for the gig. I found that lovely. Right, so yeah, so I'm going to do a song about the builder's ghost and I'm going to use the exploding battery sound. I'm going to sample that and that's going to be the beat and I'll build something around it and try and do it in the style of Christy Moore. And I'm going to pause now, go off and make it and then come back to you. So I'm now back. Um, After all the talk of Christy Moore, I tried to write it in the style of Christy Moore and it's just, it wasn't what was coming to me. Instead, uh, I made a song that sounds like more like prefab sprout, like a like a a limerick version of prefab sprout. So apologies to Christy. It's just Do you know what? I came across a synthesizer sound and when I started playing that synthesizer, it reminded me of prefab sprout and then the melody went there and before I knew it, I was miles out of Christy territory. So apologies Christy and Paddy McAloon from Prefab Sprout, if you listen. He here's a song about a poltergeist, uh which uses an exploding battery as the percussion, um, and and it's it's inspired by prefab sprout, I suppose. God bless. of a builder is haunting my old house he lives inside the fireplace and he's married to a mouse he rattles in the chimneys he tries to frighten me he tries to climb inside my mouth and pull out all my teeth pull the geist of a builder Of 
So there you go. Um, hold on, where's the fucking piano? The background piano is gone now. Yeah, that was... Uh, that took me the bones of fucking 40 minutes. There's the piano. That took me the bones of 40 minutes. So I don't know, but I'd be meeting the, the full one hour point of this podcast this week. This podcast has been derailed. It has been derailed. This was supposed to be... I was gonna do. I was gonna speak about mental health this week. I was gonna do uh, something possibly related to CBT or something like that. But then that incident with the fucking exploding battery was too nuts. And then I don't know. It just hit me. I bet you I could make a fucking beat out of that banging noise. And most importantly, I'm fucking. I'm dying to make tunes. Absolutely dying. Because I normally, what I would do, like we'll say six months ago, I'd do nearly two songs a week, just sitting down, um, kind of nonsense, silly stuff like that, just f- finding a nice sound, a, ni- a nice like synthesizer sound or a beat, and writing lyrics about whatever the fuck comes into my head, but then mostly trying to find what you're looking for is. A nice catchy melody. So. You could. The lyrics don't really matter when it comes to a demo. Do you know what I mean? You just. You say anything you want that comes into your head. But what you're mostly looking for is. A nice catchy melody. And then. I would do something like that. Send it across to. Mr. Chrome. And if Chrome listens to it and goes. Jesus that's catchy. Then we would. uh, Rework lyrics. Or rework the production or do something and then after many many passes end up with a final song but yeah fuck it I miss doing music so much and um, because I've been so busy normally what I'd do is I'd have a couple of cans in it or a bit of baldy on a weekend 
and just take out my guitar and take out my fucking keyboard and have crack bit of musical flow if possible and see what happens and 90% of the time it's not something to use but then 10% of the time it is you have to throw shit at a wall when it comes to music you have to throw shit at a wall and it might work and it might not but even doing that now was an absolute fucking pleasure because I was able to slot it into my podcast recording time to get that done and I'd already gone too far talking about the exploding batteries and the smoke alarm saga so quite an unexpected podcast turn for me are we going to do the fucking pause again I don't know where the fucking ocarina is it's somewhere so what I'm going to do instead of an ocarina pause this week I'll reintroduce that um, the exploding battery noise so we'll have exploding rhythmic exploding battery noise is this week's ocarina pause so if you hear an exploding battery there may be an advert there you go right that was the exploding rhythmic exploding hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is an advertisement for better help. I have frequently attended therapy. For the past 20 years, when I experience anxiety or depression, or when I have difficulty naming and labelling my emotions, identifying my emotions, I often seek the help of a professional therapist to improve my emotional literacy. I've attended therapy in person, and I've attended therapy online. If online therapy is something you might be interested in, give better help a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you gotta do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime, for no additional charge. So give it a go. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash blindbuy today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash blind boy nine volt battery pause so an advert might have gone in there um the usual shit lads podcast is supported by the patreon page patreon.com forward slash the blind boy podcast if you enjoy the podcast if you listen to it regularly and you're taking something from it um you can 
buy me the equivalent of a cup of coffee or a pint once a month by going to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast and become a subscriber. Please do. Um, it is the Patreon that allows me to violently dislodge my smoke alarm with a Harley. And luckily I didn't fucking, luckily I didn't take the, I could have fucking knocked it out of the ceiling and then I would have had a plaster job. So fuck that. But no, it didn't. It was grand. I just, it's a, it's a, again, like I said, that smoke alarm is legitimately in the gaff. It said on it, uh, what was it? Replace in 2013. So I think that smoke alarm went in there around 2004 or something like that. I don't know. Um, Whenever this gaff had, had that builder living in it. But it was definitely... Definitely himself because he owned the gaff and now it's like a rented gaff. But that's the crack. What will I talk about for the remaining time? Okay. I'll tell you one thing about the smoke alarm. So when the smoke alarm came off the ceiling and I was looking at it, one thing I did see that I found quite alarming is there was that nuclear sign was on the smoke alarm and the actual fucking like you'd see in Chernobyl nuclear material was on this smoke alarm and I don't know is that because that's an old smoke alarm is that on modern smoke alarms or just old ones but it reminded me of a story that I will tell you about a fella called the nuclear boy scout and it's the smoke alarm that's bringing me back to this story. So this is a true thing. It's a real thing that happened. And when the fuck did it happen? It was it was the mid-90s in America, in either Chicago or Detroit. So there's this young fella called David Hahn. And I th- he was 15 or 16, younger, maybe 14. And he was a Boy Scout. And the thing with Boy Scouts in America is... I think they have different patches. So you, you earn all these Boy Scout patches. There's like two or three hundred of them. And you learn, you earn like... Uh, I don't know. If, if you are able to make a fire with a twig, you earn your fire patch. And if you're good at sewing, you own a sewing patch. So this young fella who was a Boy Scout earned all his patches. And one of the patches was like a nuclear patch. Now, I was going, what the fuck? Why did the Boy Scouts even have a nuclear patch? So I think it was probably something that came out of the Cold War. And just some very, probably some very simple knowledge of what nuclear substances are or what, you know, nuclear physics is. Very rudimentary nuclear knowledge would get you this Boy Scout nuclear patch. So anyway, David Han got his Boy Scout nuclear patch when he was 12 or 13. And he became very, very fascinated with nuclear physics, right, to the point of obsession. As a teenager, very, very obsessed. Now, as we all know, you know, from watching either Homer fucking Simpson or from watching Chernobyl, and, and from even seeing, like, here's the mad thing, from watching, like, even some, somewhere like Iran trying to build functional reactors or to get nuclear material... Being a nuclear physicist is not easy. Not at all. So, 
this David Hanyonflet starts to pretend that he's a science teacher and ended up sending letters to like the United States what was it it was some college the no the Nuclear Regulatory Commission in America he starts sending them letters and pretending that he's a high school science teacher and learning what he can about nuclear physics from books and then anytime there's a hole in his knowledge he would contact this commission pretending to be a high school science teacher and ask the questions that he couldn't find through regular books and they would respond so he ended up um, amassing this knowledge and eventually he was so he used to go down to his shed he's literally a back garden normal shed with really shitty equipment like a fucking a, a gas mask and rubber gloves right and he figured out through reading and through contacting this commission of the various nuclear materials that he would need to build a, a nuclear reactor we'll say okay so there was a few different fucking sources so the nuclear material exists in certain household places it's hard to find one of them is smoke detectors that's why I said when I when I opened that smoke detector and I saw this nuclear symbol I'm like holy fuck you don't see one of them every bloody day in Ireland but it made me remember this David Han young fella so he collected as many smoke alarms as he could and whatever tiny tiny amount of nuclear material is in the smoke alarm he collected enough of them that he now had a load of nuclear material together in one from all these smoke alarms. Then he went, certain clocks have a different type of nu- nuclear material. So he collected as many clocks as he could that had nuclear material. I think I think for one situation, so there was this awful tragedy in the 1950s in America, okay? Americans weren't that responsible with nuclear material in the 50s, in the, like the atomic age. So there were these glow-in-the-dark children's clocks, okay? So these clocks, uh, like a clock you'd have in your room at night time, and then the hands on the clock would glow green in the, in the dark. But in the 1950s, the reason these little clocks glowed green is because they were painted with actual radioactive paint, and they didn't fully understand the health and safety. So... I can't. I think they were called the nuclear girls or the nuclear women, but these clocks, children's clocks, anyway, were being the hands were being painted by these young women who worked in a factory, and they had tins of this nuclear paint, and they were painting the clocks to make them glow in the dark, and I think a lot of them like died. There was a huge. They, they had no safety equipment. They didn't seem to know that this nuclear material was bad. So there was this huge scandal where a lot of these girls died and then all of these clocks were taken off the market. So I think David Han, the nuclear boy scout, managed to get his hands on, and fair play to him because in 1995 there was no fucking eBay, he managed to get his hands on a lot of these clocks and to scrape the nuclear paint, I think it was uranium, from these clocks. The other source of nuclear material was... um, Was it gun sites? Certain gun sites used another type. So he managed to find it all. 
And then he used to take apart batteries for lead and I don't know the names of the chemicals, but he found the household sources for every piece of material that someone somebody would need to build a nuclear reactor. So he set about doing it in his fucking shed. And incredibly unsafe. He, he starts fucking around and manages to build the bones of a functioning nuclear reactor in his shed. And what happened was... So if you've seen Chernobyl, you'll understand the absolute devastating effects of leaked nuclear material how how dangerous that can be to humans so especially america who like 1995 okay that's after the collapse of the soviet union but it's also close enough to the to the soviet union so most places around america they would have laboratories that would test the soil air and water at all times for any possible spike in nuclear material because that could mean a nuclear attack it could mean you know a power station is in meltdown it could mean a dirty bomb it could mean an actual nuclear attack so this david hanfell is in his back garden shed with a ordinary gas mask on he's a fucking teenager and rubber gloves marigold gloves and this reactor he's after making starts to emit like way 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 uh, more nuclear radiation than the area was used to so it sparks a fucking crisis and the FBI get involved so I think I think his ma ended up coming home from work and their entire neighbourhood for miles around like f- crawling with FBI like the end of fucking E.T. and it's full of people in hazmat suits and this young flat out his back garden caused a genuine nuclear environmental incident where the FBI had to fucking show up and they, they couldn't believe it, obviously. They're like, what the fuck? Some young fellas after building a nuclear reactor in his back garden? I mean, the, they took it away and they, they buried it and covered it in lead or whatever you do. The mad thing about it is, is that what's scary is that if this young fella can do it in his back garden... He that means that like a terrorist organization with the right knowledge could similarly copy what he did and build enough nuclear material to make a dirty bomb. A dirty bomb is it's not a nuclear bomb as in a big huge one that blows up and goes boom. It's more like a, a normal conventional bomb, but when it explodes it spreads a shit ton of nuclear material into the atmosphere and could cause widespread radiation poisoning. And, like, the CIA's main job and, like, MI5 and Mossad, their whole thing is trying to stop the likes of ISIS getting their hands on nuclear materials so they, in case they'd make something like a dirty bomb and put it into a New York subway or the London Underground. It's, it's a big thing to try and stop doing. So this young fella, yeah, quite harmlessly, that's the thing, he wasn't malicious, he didn't want to do anything bad. He was just obviously incredibly gifted and very very obsessive and made this thing made this fucking functioning 
a kind of simple nuclear reactor in his shed. I don't think he was arrested because he was so young. Um, but he didn't... His ma, his his ma died by suicide a year later. I think he took that very badly, because he was he was a teenager. But I saw a documentary about him. I can't. There's a documentary. I think the documentary might be called The Nuclear Boy Scout. Well worth watching, because I'm only pulling this out of the top of my head. That was '95. I remember it was about ten years later, mid two thousands. He was caught again. Uh, I think he was caught r- going breaking into a school and robbing a shitload of fire alarms. And the FBI, because he did go on a watch list, obviously, because the thing is, jeez, he'd be a kidnapping target. Do you know, if someone wanted to make, wanted someone to make them nuclear materials, what, what better man to kidnap than himself? So he would have been watched quite closely. So the FBI caught him about 10 years later, um, robbing fire alarms out of a school. So, I'm sorry, Mr. Han, but what the fuck are you doing robbing fire alarms only messing around with some nuclear shit again? So that's most likely what he was doing. And he died two years ago, I think, because I remember remember seeing it uh, popping up on my Twitter feed in The Guardian or something. Yeah, just a really fucking sad end. He ended up uh, addicted to fentanyl or morphine or something. There's that, that... that awful shit that destroys Oxycontin, maybe. That shit that's destroying America at the moment. These incredibly powerful opioids. That sure didn't kill Prince. Prince had a fentanyl back patch. Which uh, slowly... Li- fentanyl is like a hundred times more powerful than um, heroin. And it's prescribed as a pain medication in America. Um, that's the weird thing with America... Drugs like Oxycontin and fentanyl in Ireland, they tend to only prescribe these things for people who are actually dying, you know. But in America, they'll just give them to somebody who's got a sore back. There's a a, a kind of a conspiracy theory that they deliberately get veterans addicted to Oxycontin and fentanyl because there's such a huge rate of deaths as a result that on a large scale it means that the US government and military doesn't have all these veterans that they have to be supporting into old age now that's that's a conspiracy theory but you never know they're evil fuckers so yeah he decided he decided end he decided end um what'll be 50 minutes i'm going to call it 50 minutes this week which is quite short for my podcast I usually do an hour or a little bit more but I spent a good deal there doing that song and um, I'll be back next week with I don't know a hot take or maybe a mental health podcast I'll I'll have a think about it I'll see I'm still stuck in the middle of um, the editing stages of of my book so that's quite intense but that is coming to an end so looking forward to that all right I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. God bless. Have a a lovely time. If you're haunted by a poltergeist in your house, let me know. Maybe it's an exploding battery. Maybe there's a fully rational explanation. Like we had this week for my poltergeist. That's not a poltergeist at all. 
I did enjoy this episode. It was a real bizarre saga of events that I certainly didn't predict. But it was good crack. It's a toss-up between this and the time I was interrupted by the Tomcat. In terms of episodes that end up in a direction I was not aware of whatsoever. Right, enjoy the bit of summer that's left. Be sound to yourself, be sound to your neighbours. Keep an eye on yourselves. Um, Have a bit of self-compassion. Be compassionate for other people, what more can you do? Right, find something that gives you a sense of meaning in your day. Whatever that, that is. Anything that gives you a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. Do that and you will drift towards happiness. Yurt. Actually, one thing before I go, because I'll be murdered. I almost bloody forgot this. Um, I am doing the... I'm doing the... First ever... Cork Podcast Festival. Which is... Hold on now, because I'm just after pulling up the fucking email. It's the first ever Park... Park Codfest Festival. Cork Podcast Festival. So, I'm doing... My own gig there, obviously. It's between October 11th and the 13th. I'm playing on the 13th of October in the Cork Opera House. That's my gig, right? But, not only am I gigging, or not only am I doing a live podcast at the Cork Podcast Festival, I'm also curating a few podcasts, which means at the Podcast Festival, there's going to be some podcasts on, which I have chosen. And... They're kind of like blind by presents or something. So the ones that are there so far, Tara Flynn is going to be doing her Taranoia podcast in the Crawford Art Gallery. Kali Ennis, who was on, he's going to be doing live Critter Shed podcast um, with Colette Kinsella. He's doing that in the Crawford Art Gallery as well. Connor Habib might be. I'm not sure if that's confirmed yet. Connor Habib might be doing his podcast. But they're going to be... Yeah. And, and and Brett the Hitman Hart is doing a podcast at it. I'm not curating Brett the Hitman Hart's podcast. But he he's at the Cork Pod, Podcast Festival. So, I don't know. How would you get tickets? I'm sure if you fucking type it into Google. Cork Podcast Festival. It'll give you, it'll give you everything you need to know. Right. So just doing that so I don't get the head boxed off me by the two promoters have a good one hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.